The purpose of the liturgical calendar is to relive the major events in Jesus' life in real time. And because we are people following Jesus, and because we are disciples being made, we need to be reminded year after year after year of this life that Jesus lived, of these events in Jesus' life. So we've just finished the Advent. Advent means coming. So God promised the coming of Messiah, and Messiah comes. Now we cross over into Christmas. And so now we're going to celebrate Messiah's come. And then we're going to go into Epiphany. And Epiphany is the manifestation of the deity, which the wise men recognized. And then we're going to go into some common time, just take a little break, until we get to Lent, and we'll start there later. The season of Christmas, um, you know, we probably could have an interesting conversation, but as early as 567, the Council of Tours proclaimed the 12 days of Christmas to Epiphany as sacred and a festive season. So the idea of Christmas has been in the church for a long time. The practice of giving gifts during Christmastide, according to Christian tradition, is symbolic of the presentation of the gift by the three wise men to the infant Jesus. We might not know the history of Christmas. I thought this was a very interesting quote. There is a very widespread theory that Christmas began in Rome as a response to pagan festivals centering around the winter solstice which was locally considered to be 25th December. The pagan celebration, which was first established by the Roman emperor Aurelian in AD 274, was called the birth of the invincible sun. However, before you go to the however, some would say that Christians redeemed this Roman festival, which I think that's kind of a great idea. So what? If... if, if believers came along and said, hey, you were doing this, but there's another invincible S-O-N, son, let's kind of turn the tide and redeem this festival. That would, I would, that's okay. But there is evidence that some years earlier, Christians had made a sincere attempt to calculate the exact date of Jesus' birthday. In ancient Judaism, there was a common belief, a tradition which ancient Christians inherited, that the prophets of Israel died on the same date as their conception. This may be behind the long-standing Christian custom of referring to the date of a martyr's death as their birthday in heaven. According to ancient Western calculations, Jesus was crucified on the 25th of March. And then you just kind of extrapolate from there to his conception, birth, here we have it, December the 25th. Now, this, this author's honest. The calculations don't work out. <laughs> tradition doesn't work out mathematically, usually. But there's something to tradition. So what I want to encourage us with is that it, we're not foolish to celebrate Christian Christmas as believers. It's a great tradition. And we want to share that tradition. And we want it to be bigger than what it is and just restricting it to a day. So I want to make some suggestions. A community in Christmas looks like this. Keep your lights on. And keep the tree up. You don't have to go home this afternoon and take it all down. It's over. Keep giving gifts to others. I mean, I mean, 
just think about tomorrow morning you take a gift to a coworker and say Merry Christmas. And the, the, everybody will go, are you a nut? And say, yeah, I'm a nut. Because I believe Christmas is 12 days. You know, I mean, it would be, it, wouldn't that be like fun to do? Just tell others. There's this tradition. It's, it's not an American tradition. It's a Christian tradition. Followers of Jesus have been practicing this for a long time. And then why don't you plan an epiphany feast on January the 6th? And that's the day, again, within tradition, that's when you take the lights down. That's when you take the tree down. And we move on into the next season. Also, this is a great time to encourage us as a community within the context of what Paul is saying in Philippians. The broader context of where we're going to go today is let your light shine. Uh, we just were talking about a shining light, right? So in that, I want to encourage us to be a community that celebrates Christmas, but a community that also practices something that I think is very, very dear and something very encouraging. So Philippians chapter 2. 12 through 13, Paul writes right after he describes the humiliation of Jesus and the exaltation of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, which is what our season is about. It says, therefore, based upon the fact that God became a man and dwelt among us, and then God highly exalted him and has raised him back into heaven, therefore, my beloved, just as, just as you have always listened. Your Bible may say, obeyed me, but I'm going to make a suggestion about listen. Just as you've always listened, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work above and beyond your own good will. Or again, your translation may say, for his good pleasure. As I read that passage, what I, what I read is that as we celebrate this Christmas season, we are meant to be a listening community. In the Septuagint, that's the LXX, and the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, there remains a strong connection between obedience and the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Our community lives in the same sphere as the children of Israel, receiving the divine word and then translating that into practice. There is this, I mean, there is this correlation throughout the Old Testament which is traveling into the New Testament. We are people that listen to God, we listen to each other, and that gets translated into our practice. Wives, this might relieve this same word. You know, wives, obey your husband. This puts a little bit different spin to it. Hey, wives, listen to your husband. <laughs> and the other would be the true. Husbands, listen to your wives. And then as you listen, 
and we're a listening community, then as you hear both God and your spouse, then that is to move us into practice, right? Doesn't it drive us all nuts when those that we love, I mean, I know I drive Susan nuts. She tells me things I don't do it. Therefore, she keeps telling me them until I do do it. So there is a connection between listening and doing, right? And so we are a community of people that are listeners, but not just listeners. We listen in order to practice. So a healthy community there in this, this, I mean, Christmas season, whatever season, is a community that's really listening. And as we listen to what God is saying, and as we, we, we practice what he is saying, then we are a working it out community. Again, some explanation I think is needed. Remember, Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. There was an earthquake. And there was a jailer about to kill himself because he was responsible for Paul and Silas and they were no longer in their cells because they'd escaped. And Paul says, hey, don't kill yourself. And the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What, what must I do to escape execution? Because I'm going to get killed because you're not in your prison cell. And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in, along with your household. So what I'm about to say is that Paul, Paul believed in faith is the means of salvation. He believed in that. However, most of the time when Paul is talking about salvation, he's not looking back. He's looking forward. And so salvation for Paul, as you're reading his letters, it's primarily this future eschatological term. And so what Paul is saying is salvation takes place not just on the day that we professed faith in Jesus. That, that was an important day. But that day began this process of being people that listen to God and practice what God is saying and it moves us towards a day of God's judgment and there we will give an account for everything that we've done, whether it's good or whether it's evil. So Paul is saying with reverential fear, we're translating our listening as a community into action knowing that we will receive our just reward in the end. So we, that's the way we're working out our salvation. It's not that we're working out being saved. We were saved. We're working out what's going to happen at the end when we are accountable for what we've done with the gift that God gave us. Imagine this. Maybe this will communicate. Imagine that Warren Buffett called me yesterday said, Scott, I've decided not to leave my wealth to my children. So I need a manager. And I've been going through the yellow pages, and you have a funny last name, and I just think you'd be a great manager of my funds. So the funds are going to gonna remain in my family name, but I am going to entrust you with all of my funds. I want you to manage my funds for the next 30 years. Now, as you manage, really all I'm asking you to do, because I've really set it up, you know, you don't, don't mess with it too much. Just show up every day. And would you just make sure that my investments are moving forward? And would you just do that day after day after day? And I'll take care of you for those 30 years. And then at the end of those 30 years, I can guarantee there's going to be a big bonus for you and your family. 
See, I think God has said, I've given you the gift of life. I've given you every talent that you have. I've given you every gift. I, I, I mean, I am that Warren Buffett. I've given you this infinite treasure. And it's yours. And all I'm asking you to do is show up every day and put it to use. And I think what we lose sight of is there will be a day of reckoning. And he's going to ask, what did, what did you do? What, what did you do with what I invested in your life? And that's where the parable of the talents comes. Well, I, didn't, I, I was afraid and so I just kind of hit it. Well, you jerk. That was really foolish. Everything God gives us is meant to be given away. And then it really taps into the next thing. We're this empowered community. Notice this setup. It is God who is the one who works in us. He's not even asking us to do the work. He's saying, I, I will produce the will and the action in you. So just let me produce the will and the action in you, and then that's going to create what I'm hoping will be created. What he does in and through us is way above and beyond our own sense of goodwill. But just like Jesus, who humbled himself, leaving aside all of his privileges as deity. He humbled himself and he took on the form of a slave. See, what he's really inviting us as a community to do the same. He's really saying, let me give you the will to do. Stop trying to make it up on your own. Let me give you the ability to do it. Stop trying to do it on your own. He's really inviting us individually and as a, as a community to really humble ourselves as Jesus did. And let God Almighty work on planet Earth through us. That's incredible. So we want to be a community that's listening with an ear to doing. We want to be a community that recognizes that as we listen and as we do, we're moving forward, utilizing everything God has given us. And we want to be a community that really knows that God's the one at work in us and through us. So it really brings me to this. It's really a question in this season, and it's really, it would be all of the seasons, but here we are in this wonderful season called Christmas. God, what are you doing in us? God, what are you doing in us? God, what do you want to do through us? Are we listening? And are we ready to act upon whatever God would say to us? And then are we confident? Confident of our future reckoning? Because we're welcoming God to produce today will and action in us which contain 
both a present and a future reward. How, do, how can we lose with that? So let me ask you this. Let me just kind of bring it down to one thing. What is one thing today that you know God has asked you to do and you don't want to do it? How many of us can say, I know exactly what that is? Raise your hand if that's you. God has asked me to do it. I don't want to do it. Put your hands down quick. See, I really think that that's nothing to be... We shouldn't be embarrassed about that because that's we should all be in that place. God, I don't want to do it. He says, I know you don't want to do it. Let's stop playing games. So let me, be, let me be God at work in you. Let me give you the will to do it. And not only that, let me empower you to do it because I'm going to do it through you better than you can do it. Again, how what... Who, who is this God that does this? So would you like to stand with me? And may we invite the Holy Spirit to be the one that empowers us as a community. Father, in this season of gift-giving, there are some good gifts that you want to give to us. And one of those things today is I believe you want to give to our community a listening ear. So Holy Spirit, come. Open our ears. And not only open our ears, I pray that you would open the channel between our ears and our will so that when you speak to us, we act. And that it just becomes this knee-jerk reaction as we hear you, we do. We hear you, we do. Or we want to be a community that listens in order to do. Open our ears to your voice. Speak to us that we might do. Then, oh Lord, I pray that you would give to us an excitement and the excitement to know that you, our God, our creator, you're at work in us, enabling us to will and to do. That we, we, all, we, we need to stop trying so hard. And we just need to invite you. So Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand that are just stuck. I know, God, I know what you want me to do, but I can't do it. I don't have the will to do it. And so I ask, O oh Lord, that you would give that gift to those that are in this room right now, the gift to do what you will and empower them to do what you're inviting them to do. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would be excited that there is a reward today and there is a reward later that you want to bless us. You don't, you're, not, you're not in the business of just crushing us and punishing us. You want to bless us. So we receive that, that gift today of blessing. A God who loves us. A God that's in, at work in us. A God that's giving us will and action. So as a community of people, we receive these gifts today in the name of Jesus.